What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Dipped in Tone. New Hello. Year, new us. Man, it does. Uh, it is a new year. It is a new year. You already it's, look the, thinner. You sound better. You look it, healthier. Uh, it's the haircut, you see. Uh, um, the, do you struggle with uh, writing the correct year for like six months? On, yeah. When you're writing stuff. Yeah. 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 It's it's actually I've had several uh, times already where I've been like 2021. Oh no, wait, three. Uh, 20, what year are we in? <laughs> Since the yeah. pandemic, I've kind of just given up on remembering all that stuff. So. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So. How you doing? Good. I just saw you. We should yeah. we should just jump right into it. So Zach came down to Atlanta this past weekend, and we had ourselves a jolly moment. We, we went out, out out on the town. We played some mm-hmm. guitars, played some gear. We had an argument in person. <laughs> Finally. Finally. <laughs> it's been so long. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was fun to um, just get out of out of out of town and and do something do something different. And it yep. was cool to see. Uh, See how the sausage gets made over there at the Shoal compound. <laughs> yeah, a little uh, little bedroom, humble bedroom studio here. Yeah, um, you saw the the future studio build and did. in its current form. It's not that impressive yet, but it's a well, yeah, it is. I mean, it's a big space, and it's like you can see all the potential that it has, and 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 like for people that think, <clears throat> oh, why why is this taking so long? It's it's friggin' huge down there. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's pretty big. It's uh. Yeah, big reason why we bought the house was because just of that basement. And, um, yeah. you know, good news is it'll all be a tax write-off. So there's that. That's right. Um, I also meant to tell you, you forgot your, uh, your doorstop. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Well, yeah, so just don't I mean, plug it in and it'll be fine. Yeah, so also, the I meant to tell you, like, the, the power on this looks weird. I don't know mm-hmm. if it, that, that doesn't look right. So yeah. um, you just I tried to make a out. boss. Yeah, so I was going to say, because I can't fit... I, I, shoved a, a boss power supply in here and broke it so i was just gonna drill it out and <laughs> fix it is that cool that's totally fine you do right. whatever you have to do i'll just make sure you reimburse me after it stops okay working. okay it's not that expensive i mean it's all dinged <laughs> up and scratched so yeah what it's not this? even a it's not even a gold one yeah yeah um are you sure this one's real even have you yes. looked at it yeah i've i've i've, I've torn through that one was, oh, okay that one's real all right great <laughs> Well, so, uh, yeah, everything else good? New year, starting off yeah, well? except for this <clears throat> atrocious cough I just acquired. <laughs> uh, I am drinking from my, my Two Rock mug, and uh, it makes me think about that, that the thing that we just saw. Maybe this could just be the something we chat about for a second, that new Julie Landreth signature. Okay, amp. let me tell you something. Um, I like Two Rock amps. I've always liked Two Rock amps. Never owned mm-hmm. one, not yet. Um, but... That tremolo on that amp has got me thinking real hard about trying to scrape together some cash and, and get me one of those. Well, uh, you might want to hurry because I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn, but I would say that most of those are uh, probably accounted for. Yeah, already. There's not that many. There's only 75. But but yeah, for those that don't know, it's basically a combination of the Bloomfield Drive, the 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 um. The Sterling signature, which is like the steel string mm-hmm. thing, and then it's got a harmonic and a bias tremolo that are independent but can be used at the same time. So and it's massive, like the head yeah, shell is huge. <clears throat> yeah, it's well, it's got so many tubes in it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like the harmonic tremolo alone has—I don't even know how many tubes, like three or four. Which you know, in addition to like the four output tubes and all this stuff, it's a, it's a monster head. But three uh, three ten cab. Yeah, right? super cool. And and 
Yeah. I uh, I hope to play one again. Uh, I oh, heard the you, prototype. You played it. Well, I heard. Well, I I played it. I think I played it for a second, and I heard Joey testing it at the Two Rock Nam House with Matt Schofield there, and like all Eli and all the Two Rock guys. And Joey was like testing one of the prototypes, and I remember hearing it and going, "Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah." And so. I'm sure it was all the amp and nothing to do with one Joey Landreth playing. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, both him and Matt Schofield made it sound pretty good, but I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to shake some things up this year with my. I, I kind of have since you came this weekend. I've kind of had just like this. You, you all, you bring this like restless gear energy around whenever, <laughs> wherever you go. Like, so cool. I'm like, I'm gonna, I need to thin the herd. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna kind of, I need to sell some guitars. I would rather like th- pare things down, thin things down, and have less stuff but the stuff that i have is more special yeah so uh one of the things we were looking at down we went to righteous guitars for for Mm -hmm. the day on saturday uh they've got a really nice boogie mark five head yeah black suede and i've never owned i've never owned a mesa never owned a boogie and i've actually never played any of the mark series stuff and so i'm curious about it i might try and go pick that up because a i'd like to make a video about the history of mesa boogie it's a really fascinating history they're kind of the first sort of boutique amp builder outside of fender vox marshall orange all that kind of stuff right and uh dude the mark series has been an iconic amp um yeah it's over the years so it's one of the most uh i mean it's a such an identifiable sound that has worked in so many different genres um it's a classic and i think the new mark uh was mark five Mm-hmm. That they're just they're, they're it's kind of like uh hopping into like the uh like a space shuttle or something yeah. there's a lot of knobs and switches yeah but... that's been my turn off with mesa in the past you know i played lone stars and all the other stuff but you know i feel like it's worth i just want to i want to own one mm-hmm. just to say i've done it. it it might not be a forever amp but it would be you know i want to experience this i want to get to know it so i can know what this thing is and what it does and then pass it along so yeah it wouldn't be funny if like you you got that and then all that stuff on the shelf behind you just you're like ebay reverb gone get rid of it i'm a mesa guy now i I could see it happening yeah no but you know you know what though if you want to get on that guitar journey and you consolidate all that stuff and get rid of some things and then get some new things we know the place to do it ha Oh my god! Bam. That was that was pretty slick. You actually got me for a second there. Sweetwater, sweet water, Sweetwater. We got a we got a new sponsor in Sweetwater, and we're happy to be working with them. So yes. what do we what do we got today, Rhett? Sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone. Uh, that will take you to the guitar gallery. Now we've actually seen the guitar gallery in person, and I have to yes. admit, I was legitimately impressed. At Gear Fest last year, we went, and they were pushing the whole like, oh, you know, do the warehouse tour, the warehouse tour, and I was like, yeah. what? I don't okay it's a big warehouse a bunch of bunch of gear i'm glad i did it because it was legitimately yeah. impressive and seeing the guitar gallery in person genuinely made me shift my perspective on on how they're doing things those guitars that go through there they inspect every guitar that goes through over 300 dollars. they give it a 55 point thorough inspection and dude it's thorough yeah it's incredible they uh they take photos of each guitar they um uh, record the serial number and the weight so you can 
know exactly which guitar you're looking at. And when you are looking at the guitars in the guitar gallery, you can choose the exact guitar you want based off the wood grain and all these things because every uh, individual guitar that's in stock is on their website. So Yeah. And it's not part of the ad read, but do you remember like the the maintenance shop that they have there and the mod shop? Like they've got a full-time team of luthiers back there yeah. that are all world-class doing crazy, crazy stuff, which I didn't know. Like you can, yeah. you can order a guitar on Sweetwater and then tell them, hey, take this Strat, but I want it uh, hum, single hum, and I want you to put a Floyd Rose on it. And I want to coil tap the pickups and I want to do all this stuff. And then I want to uh, take the frets off and make it fretless and they can do everything there in house and then ship you the guitar. Yeah, it's it's really remarkable. And like just just what, seeing the amount of people setting everything up and checking them out. It's like, I don't know, it it's worth it, it it's worth giving the guitar gallery a look just to because if you realize like hey they opened every single box they checked all these things out there's no problems no issues it's going to be right Mm -hmm. that's that's a lot of peace of mind and it's definitely worth um visiting yeah the link below yeah uh sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone and i can attest to their shipping uh because recently i've been doing all these five levels of videos and those are sponsored by sweetwater so i get sweetwater to send me five guitars at one time and let me tell you just the packaging alone that they do. They don't just send you the, the manufacturer's guitar box. It's like they right. take that and then they put their own packaging and stuff around it. Um, it's, it's impressive. So yeah, sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone. Check out the guitar gallery. Thank you to Sweetwater for sponsoring today's episode. Yes. Yes. Speaking of today's episode, we've got a really good friend of yes. the podcast and a really good friend of yours and mine, Mr. Greg cock on. And, uh, it's a good time. The one and only, uh, where was the first time you heard about Greg? Do you um, remember? Yes. Where were it you? Was, where was I? Watching YouTube, yeah. the Wildwood Guitar YouTube channel, and, mm-hmm. and just the, the unbelievable demos. I still, honestly, I still go back and watch those. There's yeah. one that he did that uh, of, God, this must have been 10 years ago, but it was a black custom shop ES330 that he played. And that's still one of my favorite pieces of guitar performance ever yeah i i remember seeing all the before that when he was doing clinics for fender um and i remember i guess when the supersonic came out and all that and maybe the vg strat you remember that yeah (laughs) insane thing um and just watching him going like who the hell is this guy and then like you hear him play and and you fall in love with what he can do and then you hear him talk and you're just laughing the whole time it's like He's a riot and and one of the most genuine down to earth yeah. guys in the industry. So yeah. really you fun. couldn't ask for a better a better hang. He's a sweetheart of a guy. He is unbelievably funny. They were here in Atlanta a few months ago playing Cock Marshall Trio and uh we all went out for barbecue before the show. It was me and my dad and, and the whole Cock Marshall Trio and dude, it was just they're just the greatest guys. So uh it's a hoot. excited to have Greg on the show. And uh it probably won't be the last time he's on the show because it's uh it's always a good time talking to him. Yeah, I hope not. All right. Without further ado, here's our interview with one Gregory Cockery. So uh, <laughs> welcome, Greg, dipped in tone. Your first time on the pod. Glad to have I, you. That's right. Well, thanks for having me, doggone it. Nice to see you, fellas. You nice too. to see you. Yes, sir. We uh, we caught up not too long ago here in Atlanta, shared some Indeed. wonderful barbecue, and uh, I witnessed some, some savage riffagery. So, yeah, good to see you again. That, 
That that was good times. I haven't seen Zach since uh, he was out at the Wild of Woods. I know, and I uh, I talked to John uh, Brandau not too long ago about coming back because uh, I think are, you're going back there occasionally now. Correct. I, I went right. back for the first time last month, and I'm going again in a couple weeks because to, to engage in more video frolics. Because they like what some people might not know is they created this brand new store. Mm-hmm. that was beautiful and then 2020 happened and now i think it's basically just a warehouse with a video space <laughs> that's exactly correct that whole area that was their brand new showroom uh is now just shelves and guitar after guitar yeah. it's it's unbelievable the amount of guitars they have on that joint i know are they and, planning and, and reopening to the public at all or just just doing online i think that is still up in the air mm. i think I think he they quite like the fact that uh, it's working out just well without having people inside uh, just because of, you know, that. <laughs> but it's possible they'll, they'll open up some kind of little area. Right now, people come and they actually try stuff out in the parking lot, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> no, you must stay outside. Do they it's bring like an extension cord field. and an amp out there or something? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, my <laughs> God. They just people strum out there. There's a couple stools. That's oh that's God. awesome. I I uh, I, I, mi- I miss going and doing all those things and seeing all the people. Uh, and so I, I hope one day because they said you know if you're there and we can make it work, maybe I can come back. So that that would be yes. fantastic. Well, I think but that's anyway. on the menu again. So hopefully sooner than later. Was yeah. their set the the old set they had, which was like the ridiculous stack of crazy amps those are all like real right all the, they were all the, real yep they were all steves yep oh my god i just remember watching that and and that was years ago when i was kind of first starting to learn about all this stuff in the vintage gear and just looking behind you know i would watch your videos and and see all that stuff behind you and be like man that's got to be that's got to be worth a at least a couple thousand dollars right the four dumbbells oh, alone oh well, my and god he, and he got those all from from Alexander Howard, whatever name he chose, he he bought those new. They weren't like some. Late, well, two of late. them were. The two two oh. he bought from Howard directly, um, and that was back in the day when you know you'd have to send in a tape of your playing, right? <laughs> ostensibly to approve the fact that you were worthy, but also to get an idea of what your tone was like, so he would know what to build for you. Man. And uh, so Steve passed the test. Steve is quite the musician, actually. Really, and uh, and his band was quite popular for quite some time. He had this band called Wind Machine. They they sold a uh, a shit ton of records back in the day, and that's awesome. really what kind of. I mean, he always had the business, but he would use it for you know doing lessons and uh, a little bit of you know uh, of, of guitar, you know, a few guitars and amps in there, but nothing huge. And then um, he mostly was a professional musician. And at one point, uh, he just had this idea of I think it was initially with Taylor of well what if i did my own kind of like secret recipe of what you know all my customers are interested in and what we're interested in having would you do that and well yeah if you buy x amount of them you can do whatever you want so that kind of began the whole kind of co-branding thing where they came up with the secret sauce the manufacturers would make them and then it was the wildwood version of the various i mean of course they did it with fender with the wildwood uh tens and gibson with wildwood spec and so on and so forth and and that's what really kind of made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. In my Les Paul hunt recently, 
we played a few wildwood spec you just they, they've been doing them so long now that you kind of start to encounter them in the wild where uh, absolutely they're all you, over the place yeah they're everywhere and it's cool to, to run into one because they are a little bit unique they're just a little off of the beaten path a lot of times or it's, or it's a, a unique kind of spec or color or wood combination so that's uh that's super cool on the dumble thing did you ever was was a dumble ever on your radar as a as a young guitar slinger you know when they were starting to come out did you ever think about trying to get one no, you know, I, I, I knew that, uh, I guess the first time I ever really heard about them per se was, uh, knowing that Ry Cooter used one mm-hmm. and, uh, on the, on the giant Hyatt records, you know, or what he did with bring the family and, you know, that, um, and then on the little village stuff, but I knew on, on bring the family, he had used the Dumble. And then of course I knew Robin Ford used one and I knew Larry Carlton used one. Um, but it never really was for whatever reason. It's like, I always like, you know, what's just a, a Fender or a Marshall or, you know, that, or a Vox that kind of did it. Yeah. <laughs> it just, cause you know, there always seemed to be, you had to have this extra dumbelator thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. In order to get reverb and this, that is like, that's just sounds like math and I hate math. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to avoid that. I feel like that would have been Zach's reaction back in the day. I mean, oh, I, me? I know you've got, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have looked at that and be like, I don't know, man. It just seems like kind of a lot. Well, and, and the dumbbellator thing, like having to hook stuff up to to, to use a loop, uh, right. definitely not me. That, but, but I mean, having played them and, and experienced what they can do, it is special, you know. It oh, would, there's no like, doubt. But, but yeah, I don't know. I, and I think your sound has always like, resonated well. It, it's always, to me, reflected very much like cranked Fender vibes. Uh, and I think that it's funny, like, thinking about... Because the first time I saw you, Greg, was, I think, demoing some Fender stuff um, way back when. And it's it's kind of interesting to me, like, thinking about the Dumble thing and how, like, you know, that is, is so popular now, but how probably when you started first started gigging, you were using this classic... Fender tube amps, classic amps, and they went. Fender has kind of gone to this. They've made a lot of digital stuff. They you you did all like the Cyber Twin and all that stuff back in the day, and now the the interest in all the classic amps have just skyrocketed so much that that's what everyone's kind of hunting for for like right. you know the boutique thing. And it, it's kind of it's it, it in your gigging career. Have you seen you've seen all that stuff kind of ebb and flow? You know, like correct. What what um, it, what's your like go-to setup? I mean, I know you have your your cock amps, right. um, but you know what Which are sounds, you looking sounds, for? That sounds a little dirty, but you know, yeah, I well, it. or they say kosh, or what do they say? They don't say cock exactly. Right? I, I don't know what the hell they say. I think they might say they might say koch. Oh, okay, coke. I should just say cook. That's what it means in German. It's I like to eat. It would make sense, but no, I had to do what. Old Grandpa George said, Koch, get a little spit happening there. And then everyone just says, oh, you mean cock? No, I didn't say cock. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, but yeah, amps is an interesting thing. You know, um, I guess none of my family played, you know what I mean? So I didn't have like older siblings or peripheral people that that were hip hip to stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, so um, I started playing and I thought, well, a Fender Twin is good, right? So... I, my first real, other than the, the PV Rage that I had, of course. Hey, well, yeah. Hey, man. My in, introductory Woo! council. I we bought a, a, 
thing around these parts, Greg, that is uh, if PV made a car, I'd drive it. If PV made a boat, I'd buy it. I mean, yeah, can't go wrong. Pavay, French amplification, <laughs> as I like to refer to it. Mon Dieu. Yes. <laughs> so the Pave. first amp, I had, a, I had a master volume twin from the 70s with Altec Lansing speakers in it. And, mm. and that thing never worked. I'd get it to work, and then it, and then it would blow up, and I kept on taking it back and forth. And, uh, and when I would go to high school, they had Fender Twins uh, in the jazz band room, so I would just play Fender Twins there. Um, and then this buddy of mine uh, wanted to use my Fender Twin, and at the time, it just it was like every time I looked at it, it wouldn't work for whatever reason. And he had this weird solid-state Canadian amp called a VT, and it had this weird head that you know had buttons on it for jazz, country, ah. blues. Very effective, I might add. Uh, but it sounded good. It's just a master volume, and you would turn it up, and uh, it actually sounded good. It, you know, I just wanted kind of a clean sound with a little bit of sass, and it would deliver it. And it had a 412 bottom with greenback Celestians in it, and it just mm. sounded good. So I traded them even up for this solid-state monstrosity, and that's what I used all through, you know, first couple years of high school until I was in a, a, a guitar shop one day. And I had just bought my 335, and I was looking for a different amp. And the guy that was working there was like selling me hard on it. It's like, look, tube amps are a pain in the ass. Now, mind you, I got nobody around me to refute this, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. this old, older guy that I became friendly with at this music store. And he said, you should really check out these new Yamaha G100 212 combos. Hell and yeah. So I, did, I bought that thing. It sounded great. You know, the clean sound was good. The lead sound was, you know, you could go between the two. And I would do gigs with, at the time, my 335 and a, and a telly. And I'd go straight into that beast. And I'd have my little channel switcher. And I'd mm -hmm. go from the clean sound of the overdrive. And I still have tapes of that stuff back there. It's like, shit, that doesn't sound too bad. So I really didn't know the difference between the tube stuff. And then when Stevie Ray caught, I mean, we were doing like some Stevie Ray stuff at the time. Um, and then when he came out, I was like, man, that's a tone right there. And then I started to, to meet guys that were older than I was that worked at music stores. And they're like, the super reverb is the amp. So there was this kind yeah. of the cult of the super reverb, uh, way before it was fashionable, you know, and, and this buddy mm -hmm. of mine, Jason, um, Clagstad, he would modify supers. There was a guy in town here that would modify a super. So it was really a plexi with, with reverb and he would right. put. He would put two JBLs in it, uh, the E110s, uh, you know, with the regular Fender speakers in there to kind of balance things out a little bit. And that was his rig. So I bought one of those. I had like a 68 Super modified with that. And that was a turn it up and go thing. I'd, I'd go out and sit in with his band, and he would use two of those amps, and they were louder than the word of God. And, and he played an old Strat, and it was literally the volume would be down, and you have your clean sound. You're like, oh, it's time for me to take a lead. And I would go like this, and I was like, I was, it was like I would be surrounded by threshold of pain. I was like, wow, is this yeah. is this what piracy is really like? So <laughs> that was kind of my uh, introduction to Super Reavers. And at that time, you could get them all day long for like 250 bucks. Uh -huh. that, was, oh, yeah. that was like, hey, you want a Super? No one knew what Super Reavers did. And that was the time when, you know, we're talking like mid to late 80s. Uh, and everyone wanted rack shit you know they wanted yeah. mesa boogie this and you know studio preamps with you know ancillary delays and so on and so forth no one wanted a super reverb so right. you could get them but at the time like right before i got the super i also had um i had a uh music man rd 110 or no rd 112 that i used 
uh, with the JBL in it. And that was my main amp through college, as a matter of fact. And that was a good little amp. The 335 through that amp did the Larry Carlton thing. You know, like I was trying to get the Room 335 sound, which also was right around the time that I was really into, um, you know, Dickie Betts and Danny Toller from the Allman Brothers. They had that neck pickup on a Les Paul thing. And that was my thing through that amp. The neck pickup on my 335 through that thing sounded the shizzle. Yeah, that that sounds like, you know, one hell of a rig. I I remember when I learned about the Super Reverb, the... uh, the truth of the super reverb was through Derek trucks. Like the first time I ever saw it, it was Derek trucks band. No, the first right. time I ever saw him was when he was on tour with Clapton. It was, um, Doyle Bram Hall, Derek trucks, Clapton, the whole people. And, uh, this was 2007. So 16, 17, same thing. Like you, no one in my family plays. I didn't know anybody. This was before YouTube or anything. So I was just kind of figuring the stuff out for myself. And we went to this Clapton show in Atlanta and we we're like, Holy shit. Who is that blonde dude? playing guitar that's mind-blowing so a few months later in atlanta uh derek trucks band played new year's eve at the fox theater and so we all went as a family my mom my dad my sister we went to the that show and that was the first time i'd seen him you know because the the clapton show we were way back it was an arena thing but we were pretty close to the fox and i just saw him up there with his two supers and just doing the thing and god man i mean even still i don't know if he's still playing the supers now it seems he's switching between like the is it the Alessandro and the, mm. the other stuff he's been playing? But yeah, yeah, the Super Reverb thing is a, uh, I think it's the combination of the four tens in that cabinet and the fact that you start to push it and it breaks up. It's got that mid-rangey, punchy 10-inch speaker thing. It's, uh, I love him, man. I absolutely love him. I've got one right in the, in the corner back here with four D-series JBLs, and it's nice. Uh, <laughs> it, it had, it's heavy, but man, yeah. it sounds good. I, yeah. The fact that it's heavy, I think up until recently, they were like, that was the amp to get either that or a basement head mm-hmm. because right. they're so affordable. But I, I think people have finally given up on worrying about the weight of an amp. You know, it's just going to live in your room anyway. Just just get whatever you want. But I feel like up and up until a few years ago, you could get a super reverb, an old one for really not that much money. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're still they're still pretty inexpensive in comparison to like, <coughs> which is humorous to me. Deluxes and Vibroluxes are way more money. I mean there was oh, a time, yeah. there was a time when um, supers, as I said, were cheap, and then they got really really expensive, and then it's like people wanted smaller, not as loud, lighter amps, and then they started to go down in price a little bit, and now they're not horrific anymore. But um, they're great recording amps too, man. If you're trying to get something to track with, they record really really well. Um, I, yeah, I'd love a I'd love a black panel like early '60s one that's been you know unmolested, right? Because right. the, the thing about especially with basements and stuff, because they were so cheap for so long, a lot of them have just been you know, not taken care of or modded all to hell. And right. you know, so trying to find a, a clean one or like what Tim Pierce has the the tuxedo basement is something I'd I'd love to get yep. my hands on. You know, yeah, they sound well, majestic. Well, speaking of Fender ramps, I have I have a rig for dipping. So we can just let's segue. dip that rig. Let's dip it, baby. All right. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Hey, there we go. Ooh. Uh-huh. Yes, 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 yes. So what we have uh, in this rig is on the post here. This is from uh, he didn't post his real name. It says Sir Buzzman, which I like. Sir Buzzman. <laughs> Sir Buzzman. Buzzman. 
<laughs> Mr. Buzzman was my father. He says he plays in a local uh, soul R&B garage rock band, and he's the only guitarist. So what he's got here is a um, Gibson the Memphis Custom ES330, a 59 uh, model, a uh, Japanese uh, 62 Tele reissue, and a 61 SG with the, the Maestro modded with some pickups. But then he's got a Fender... 63 reverb unit, the reissue, onto a, a clone of a brown panel deluxe with a JBL D120F, uh, the aluminum dust cap, you can see it there. And his yeah. pedal board, he just has uh, the tremolo switch, the way huge Havelina, which is like a, a Mark III tone bender, a box Wawa, uh, the Chupacabra that, that we make. Yeah. And, yeah, that's right. have to self-shill. Self-shill. <laughs> uh, uh, a Bluesbreaker pedal, uh, TC Electronic Vibra clone, which I guess is probably like the Fender Vibratone rotary speaker, and then uh, a little uh, Boss RE2 Space Echo pedal. And so that's wow. that's his rig, and I I like it a lot. Dude, I like it. This is this is a man of uh, Mr. Buzzman. You're a man <laughs> of class and taste. I have yes, to say. of this honor is, and diplomacy. Exactly. Uh, I mean, this is a trustworthy person, someone who makes very good decisions, as as uh, as you can see. Okay, so the guitars, the three thirty, the three thirty is slept on. I still think. So I have the Epiphone Casino, but full circle moment. The first time I was really introduced to the three thirty and the wonders of the three thirty was actually Greg. One of the videos you did at Wildwood years ago, you played a black custom shop three thirty. Uh-huh. You remember that one? Dude, I do. <laughs> I remember watching this video and the sound that you got out of that guitar just melted my brain. It was unreal. Um, they can be feedback monsters, you know, they're fully hollow. And, um, I learned in looking at them too. They're not, they're not exactly like a 335. I always thought, oh, it's just a 335 that's fully hollow with dog ears on it. But it's not. The neck joins the body at the what, 13th fret, 14th fret, something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a different construction than a 335. But, right. Um, God, they're amazing. They're so good. Yeah, they're, they're delicious. The the Grant Green weapon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I feel- I feel like he's got all his guitar bases covered with with this this arsenal here. Like, what can't you do with those three guitars? I mean, like, I mean, stratty things, I guess. But apart, I mean, yeah, you, but can you, can, the, you can you can fake it with the telly thing with the telly. You can get in that territory, you yep. know. Um, Absolutely. The SG too. I respect the SG. I mean, a Les Paul would have been a logical choice, but I like the SG. I think the SG is slightly cooler for this rig. Um, first time we've seen a Fender Reverb tank, right? It is. That, that I can remember. I I love the look of a reverb tank, but the sound of a, an actual tube-driven reverb is like you can't you can't really. I mean, people you could try to put it in a pedal, but it's just you have to have that those tubes right. glowing hot. My, I, you know, I used to use one. My my only complaint about them is is that when you're playing at various different uh, establishments, some may be more hell-like than others, and uh, <laughs> if the stage has any give to it. You know, it's going to be, yeah. you're going to be in the sound like you're in some kind of a tropical squall, which sometimes <laughs> adds to the total ambiance of the hellhole if you're able to conjure up those ancillary sounds at your beck and call. However, uh, that would be my only complaint about that. I remember um, remember Dick Dale used to 
he'd place a place and he'd actually hold his from a bungee cord up from something on the stage so that <laughs> make it a would shock not... mount yeah, exactly <laughs> oh man <laughs> smart tropical yes. squall then he, like then he could just kind of punch it every now and again <laughs> to get the squall squall on command Chuckle so seeing squall, as you had mountain. one i've i've heard through the grapevine that that billy gibbons uses these and the story i heard is that when a lot of the, the original ones shipped the uh the tank had like the lock on it yes that's correct yeah and it was still locked and most people didn't realize you had to unlock it but it has a great like preamp like boost sound if you dime it did you ever do that are you familiar i with never that? did i never did okay um i didn't use it all that much for i think when i first got it i actually had one of those um uh, remember when Fender, right when they came out with the Vibro King, they also came out with, I think it was called the Tone Master. The, the, yeah, I, th I think so, right? Yeah, Tone Master. Yeah, it was, it was a blonde head, a, bl a blonde head and cabinet. It was a two channel, kind of a dumbly, kind of a high gain second mm -hmm. channel. It was kind of uh, like the precursor to the supersonic in a way. Yeah. Uh, kind but of. no reverb, right? right? So I, I used, I used that with that particular unit. And then, um, yeah, I didn't use that rig for all that long. And then I just had that thing for a while. And then I started using basements again. And then I was using that with the basement. Um, but it was just, to, to me, it was just another thing to bring. So I was like, you know, I'd rather just have an amp with reverb. You know? <laughs> right. the, the thing I like about the tank, though, is because it is tube-driven, you are going, you're, you're sending your signal through another Sure. to yep. stage and another set of transformers and i i subscribe to the belief that getting as many transformers in your signal path as you can is not a bad thing right um and uh eric zapata a friend of mine uh plays guitar with, with gary clark jr he uses these he uses vintage ones and as far as i understand it he does do that like preamp kind of boost thing to hit the front end mm. of his amps a little bit harder even if the the, the reverb is off yeah. um my god huh? i i love it and all, all of that going into a brown panel deluxe, which is one of the best. I think it's one of the best Marshalls Fender ever made. Um, <laughs> but I've never I've never played one with with uh, with a JBL. I can't, I mean, it might just tighten it up because it is. Oh. A, that's a really saggy amp. Yeah, right. You, you know, I'm I'm. There's something about those old D series JBLs. They've got a sound to them, and, and you know, you can hear them when you're like listening to live at the Fillmore, and mm -hmm. you you can hear them on all those old because they all used those speakers back in the day. And uh, what's my the buddy... characteristic of that speaker? Like, how would you describe that speaker? You know, I can't even I can't even really kind of put it into words. It's just uh, it just has this thing. I know that's scientific. I just was I did a gig up in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, a few months ago, and Dave Rogers, who owns Dave's Guitars, mm -hmm. his rig is he loves the the Evil Twins. He he swears by them. Yep. But the one he was playing had two of the D-series JBLs in it, and he used it on the half-power mode. And the tone that he got, as I was listening, I was like, that's that JBL sound. Like when you're listening to Hendrix, you know, live at the Fillmore, you know, Band of Gypsies, or you're listening to, um, as I said, the Allman Brothers live at the Fillmore. There's a thing that happens the way they it, it, they keep, it's like you can overdrive those old Marshalls in a way, or in this case, this Fender Twin. Uh, but it's the way that that, speaker processes that information that it, it keeps integrity in some weird way but it, you know in terms of not ratting out or farting out on the low end 
Uh, but it's not razor blades or hand grenades on the high end either, but you still get the, 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 the overdrive and the, the filth. I don't know. It's just it's got a thing. I wish I could articulate it better, but all I'm right. saying is yes, please. Why, why do you think the JBLs were so popular back in the 60s and 70s? Was it durability, like reliability? They just lasted longer than the Celestians or, or Fanes or anything else? Well, it's interesting because I, you know, when I first started using JBLs, they were they were the E series, which were PA speakers, and everyone's like, "Oh, they're way too bright. They're not like the D series. D series are much warmer. It's a guitar speaker." Um, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I, you know, again, you know, tr- learning this stuff on the fly. You know, my only access to JBLs was the E series. I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm brighter than those were." You know, back <laughs> in the day, but I think it was you know because Hendrix, I, from what I remember reading, you know, he just wanted louder because mm-hmm. yeah. you know, they were. They were playing at these enormous domes or, or these arenas are really kind of as the wild west of trying to figure out what's going to work in these big rooms. So he just wanted those marshals to be like big twins. So I think that that's why I did it. And I, and I know that Dwayne Ullman loved the sound of those those uh, JBLs as well. But he he used to open up his cabinets so he could hear it wasn't so unidirectional. So he could hear right. the sound would splash around a little bit, which I can totally relate to because that's one of the drawbacks of whenever I've played a marshal. It's like you know, I'm a big big son of a bitch so all the sound is just kind of going at my feet that's like i like i like combos because the back's open so it kind of splashes around you can hear it all over the place um i have that problem as well yeah Yeah. they have to be so much more wattage i mean because like all those vintage amps they would have 25 watt speakers you know for the most part i mean you're just going to get so so much more you're just going to move so much more air with these things because they'd be so much more efficient yes i mean i remember hearing i think i think uh I don't know if Jack Pearson told me this story or so, someone said that Dickie Betts, you know, he's got the JBLs in his Marshall cabinets. And so when yep. he would play, it didn't matter if he was playing Alpine Valley or, or, you know, an arena or someplace like that. They didn't even have him in the PA because Jeez. he was so loud. <laughs> so, you know, 100 watt, 100 yeah. watt Marshall with the 412 uh, JBLs would be louder than the word of God, which is weird because I wonder what he used back in the day because I know Dwayne liked 50 watts. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you know, I always, I'm always interested in it's like how loud were they on stage? Because I remember when I when I met Buddy Miles years ago, not that I'm name dropping, but I'm just I, I was a huge Hendrix fan. And I got an opportunity to do some gigs with Buddy Miles, and all I wanted to know was well, what was the stage volume like? I mean, you're on stage with Hendrix, you're next to those those three Marshall stacks. What was it like? And he really, you know, it's like oh, I don't know. It was this. It's like. So you were stoned and you weren't taking notes, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. So I, I didn't get any uh, I didn't get any sound response there, but I remember you know when I was talking to again not to name drop, but you know talking with Jimmy Herring about when he played with the Almond Brothers, he came in and he was using uh, the JMP Marshalls with yep. the Colonel Bruce and all that kind of stuff, which are great sounding amps. And he used a fifty watt, and he came in with one fifty watt hat stack, half stack, and they looked at him and was like, "Is that really all you're going to use?" And he's Jeez. like, well, "What am I going to need more?" And sure enough, he goes, I started playing and I, I couldn't hear myself. So uh, that's why Derek went from using super reverbs to using, you know, like twins. And, right. Because it, because it was just so loud. Wow. Man, uh, I would. Is, yeah, I would love if I could time travel. That's what I would be most interested in, in hearing is like because in my mind, it can't have sounded good. Like these old shows like with with Hendrix or, you know, The Who or, or Zeppelin or whatever. It was like early PA technology, tons of stage volume, and playing in listening to shows in arenas. Even today, most of them sound like shit, anyway. So it's like I 
can't imagine. But the guitar it's sounded funny. good. Well, yeah, well, but I mean, the overall mix is like you wouldn't. Right. What you probably couldn't hear much. Well, you, you, it's interesting because I, of course, I'm you know when I talk to guys that are a tad older and they're like, oh, I saw Hendrix three times. I always want to know. You know, like, hey, how did it sound? And and I said, was it just like unbelievably loud? And they're like, no, it was surprisingly not. I mean, you know, it would be it was dynamic when it needed to be loud. It was loud, but it was not like peel the paint loud. I think I saw. I was talking to somebody who saw Hendrix open up for the monkeys on, on that ill-fated tour. And I said, well, uh-huh. just ear splitting. And they're like, no, no, it was, I mean, it was, it was loud, but it wasn't like unpleasant. So, yeah. it, you know, I guess it's a matter of, I mean, I remember hearing stories about like when cream played at Madison square garden, they brought down the, the boxing mic and that was the PA. You know what I mean? They had like vocal PA and then the guitars and the amp sound. And then, you know, the PA to spread it around Madison Square Garden was the boxing mic. So, wow, I don't know. It was, it was again, Damn. it was the Wild West. And it wasn't until later on, you know, like the, you know, uh, I guess the first PA is like when the Stones toured in 69. And, I mean, right in that neck of the woods, they were finally starting to get their act together with, with concerts. But I remember one of the loudest concerts I ever went to, and like in 1983, I went and saw ZZ Top at the, at the uh, it, was, it was on the El Loco tour. So it was prior to Stimulator. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and it's just a real bare stage. You could see the amps and everything. And, uh, but it was louder than the word of God. Of course, it didn't help the fact that I was stoned and immaculate, <laughs> but be that as it may, it, uh, it was, it was really loud. And then I, when I saw deep purple on their reunion tour at Alpine Valley, that was, that was really, really loud as well. So times saw, had changed. I saw Toby Keith when I was a, a young teenager. I think my dad got tickets through work or something and it was, the worst sounding and loudest show I've ever seen. He he started the show by driving a Ford F one fifty up on stage because the whole literally the whole tour and everything was sponsored by Ford. And so he literally <laughs> drove a truck on stage. And it was I mean, it was so loud. Even at like fourteen years old or however old I was, it was like this is this hurts. It was so loud that it was physically painful to sit yeah. through. Uh you know That's no fun. It's well, no fun. Let's 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 wrap up this rig real quick. Oh, let's yeah, do yeah. the board okay. and then so on the board we got the we got the tone bender, way huge, we got the Voxwa, the Mythos Chupacabra, Chicago Stompworks, Bluesbreaker, Vibroclone, and the the RE2 Space Echo. So what do you guys think about this board? I, I like it. I think that this is a good combination of all the stuff that I would want to use, save for the Bluesbreaker, it's not my favorite, but apart from that. Oh my god, Jesus Christ. We can we put a tube screamer on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I might. <laughs> I mean, he's got all the bases covered. I mean, that's what I like. I like a little bit of a little bit of delay, something to get some kind of rotary speaker thing, a couple yep. different mm-hmm. levels of gain, a wah, and you know maybe a little fuzz when I'm in the mood. So I think he's got all the bases covered. I'm for- I, listen. I'm in love with this rig, 100. percent As soon as it came on screen, I knew this is a 10 out of 10 shoils for me. Absolutely perfect. No notes. Complete, complete, and the coily cable. Let's not forget the coily cable plugged oh, into yeah. the 330 there. I mean, you want all strong. that capacitance. So you want all the high end loss. Hell you yeah. Uh, you know, and the strap game's pretty good as well. Yeah. Strong. yeah. He's got the, yeah, the vintage fender strap on the, uh, the telly. I mean, it's all, it's all there. This is a banger, banger race. Curated. So, well done. What, what, what would you give this out of 10, Greg? Oh, I'd give it a 10 because I'd use it. I mean, if, oh, I, yeah. if I showed up and that's your back line for the night, I'd be like, we ride. <laughs> I'm going to give it 9.9 because of the blues breaker. So, but apart from that, it's, it's fabulous. All right. Absolutely now, fabulous. What, this is a Hall of Fame rig right there. Of all yeah. the rigs we dipped, that might be 
probably that might be my favorite for sure oh man you just uh you just uh had your next amp come out recently correct yes that's right tell us about that because the other the greg yeah right the old amp is awesome it's uh it's trippy because there's knobs all over it but it sounds awesome and so what is the the new one what is what is this one well, the the new one I I just wanted because we had, when we first started talking about doing an amp, then um, of course it's I should I always have to mention the fact it's not my company even though it's the right. same name. For those who are thinking he's got his own amp company, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> must um, be nice. Uh, but it's a it's a it's a Dutch company with my same name. They've been around forever, making great amps. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started wor- talking together about maybe doing uh, working together. And, you know, the, the Greg, which was the first one, uh, which is perhaps the ultimate wise-ass name. But I, it just had everything. I wanted to have an amp where I could go with just a guitar, a chord, into the amp and be done. Uh, and it certainly works fantastic for that. Um, but I also wanted an amp that was just – because, you know, back in the day, I used to love Fender Pro Juniors. Oh, yeah. I, I used to use – I used to use two of them, and then I started using four of them, and then and uh, I just loved the way that they loaded up. You know, I would I would mm-hmm. plug two in, I'd, I'd split them with my at the time I was using a Korg G4 Leslie simulator, which was a good one. I knew Warren oh, yeah. Haynes was using one, so I thought oh, I got to check that out. It's a big brown and, one, right? Yeah, 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 it's a cool. It was a cool thing. So yeah. I used that, and I would split, and I would do a little, you know, Y cable and go into two and two, and. Um, and it was just a lot to haul around. Plus, those amps aren't exactly roadworthy. Those mm-hmm. those EL eighty fours are being you know held back there by you know basically a step above rubber bands. So right, uh, it was just not the most roadworthy beast. Um, but I love the concept. I love you. You could either just you know turn it up and go and use your old fashioned channel switcher of your pinky on your volume control to, and and go between the filth and the clean. Um, and then I remember talking to Richie Fliegler at Fender one time. He's like, well, don't, why don't you try out our new Vibrolux? If you go into the, the first channel, the custom Vibrolux, it's basically like a tweed amp with reverb and you can crank it up and do the same damn thing. So that became my main amp after that. Uh, but all, you know, so, and I liked using that particular format because it was, the wattage was such that if I just wanted like a, like a plexi with reverb, I could do that, just plug straight into it, crank it. A lot of times I would bring it into clubs and I would just turn it around towards the wall and just dime it. And then just, you know, use the telly into that thing. It was like Roy Buchanan incarnate with that thing. So, um, I love that, but you could also run it on like three and a half ish and then use pedals and have it be a, you know, pedal platform as the kids say. Um, so, uh, I wanted to have, um, I wanted to have a throw and go amp with the cock folk. So I said, or Koch, however they want to say it. Uh, so (laughs) basically the amp is, um, one EL34, and we did. I did want to do the wise ass thing and have one knob that says more, but we but I wanted reverb on it, and we also wanted to be able to have it be either crank it up and go or be able to have it clean and have pedals. So it does have a, a master and a gain. Mm-hmm. The, mas- the master says more, and the gain says gristle, natch, <laughs> and brand. then uh, uh, it's, got a, it's got a tone control. And a reverb, and it's a it's a you know it's a it's a real it's a real reverb. It's not a synthetic reverb. It's got a little pan back there that will splash and do the things, and um, and you can either have it on twelve watts or four watts. And and I wanted the cabinet to be a little bigger. It's a it's about the it's a little 
bigger than the size of a Tweed Deluxe. Because a lot of times, like, the only thing I didn't like about the, um, you know, the Blues Juniors or the, uh, the, uh, or the um, Pro Juniors back in the day is when you would dime them, they'd kind of sound boxy when you yeah. were recording them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I wanted the, the, the cabinet to be big enough with a 12-inch speaker so that it, it wouldn't do that real kind of, you know, man-in-a-box <laughs> sound. Yeah. And that worked. So it's a little bit of a bigger cabinet, but low wattage, and you can, you know, turn it up and away you go, or you can set it kind of cleanish. But it's amazingly loud for 12 watts. And it's the called the little gristle, thing. right? Yes, it's called the little gristle, correct. The low wattage thing is great because I feel like now with modern, you know, gigging, everybody seems to want as little stage volume or no stage volume. And for guitar players, that really sucks because, you know, going direct is fine. I've done it. It's a utility thing. You know, you do it when you have to, but you need that speaker on stage with the guitar to create this sort of like symbiotic organism of the guitar and amp working together to, to create right. the sound. And so having the lower wattage amp, I think is great because you're still moving air, but you can actually get away with, uh, having the amp on stage facing front of house and have it mic'd up and do everything you need to do while keeping the stage volume manageable and not pissing off, you know, the front of house guy or the artist or whatever, and and not having to do, you know, the, the trick of, well, we you know, turn the amp around, fire it into the, the back wall or having a plexiglass shield or all the stuff that I have to do with the bigger amps that you, you take out. So I, I really love this, the low wattage thing and low wattage amps sound great under microphones like yes they recording certainly small amps is amazing yeah absolutely yeah but i remember That's the blues what... junior thing i had a blues junior for a while the blues junior three and i the the boxy thing was real i had to mod it all to hell to get get that boxiness out of it i remember the the i bought like all the bill m mods you know went on on that old website and taught myself how to solder on a circuit board and figured all that stuff out and it worked for a while until it didn't and I couldn't troubleshoot it, and so that ends. Right. Isn't that the way it goes? Yeah. You use something until it's like, yeah, I don't trust it anymore. We need yeah. something else. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have have said for years that the Pro Junior is one of the best amps Fender Fender makes. I yes, think. no because doubt. Because it, it, it's just it's so good and so simple, and it is surprisingly loud for yes. a one ten combo. Four um, of them sound even better. Oh, I bet. Because <laughs> wasn't Jeff, Jeff Beck using them for a minute? He was like plugging them into a bigger, like a 4 by 12 cab or something? I, I he feel did. Like he yeah, was... he used to pro It's kind of funny, another name drop you, but I think it's a funny story. So my buddy Willie Porter from town here, he he did um, he did a tour opening up for Jeff Beck. This is, this is probably 98-ish, I think. And um, on the tour, Jeff was using that amp and uh, – Actually, I don't think – maybe he, he had it with him. But at some point on the tour, Jeff gave him that amp. And wow. Like, wow. Wow, you're giving me this amp? He's like, yeah, mate, you know, the great tour and yada, 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 and da, da, da. It was really nice and complimentary. Da, da, da. And on the last day of the tour, the manager comes in and says, yeah, you can't take that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. It was it – was, it almost happened. Jeff wow. almost gave me an amp, but um, – God, that's cold blooded. But yeah, man. and then and then after that, I would we did a show at uh, Summerfest here in Milwaukee uh, in front of Jeff Beck, and and he had that Pro Junior on. A, you know, there were Marshalls, and then that Pro Junior was the was the main amp. And I don't know how he had it running if he just had that. And um, 
um, it may be one of the other marshals going or whatnot. But I, I don't know what he was all using, but you know, he, then he'd have that monitor, that marshal monitor, kind of up at him as well. But uh-huh. my favorite thing is one time we were doing this this show it was a Fender thing out at in uh, the Tempe Music Festival, and uh, it was the first date of Jeff's tour, so he was doing a sound check um earlier in the day and you know i i was there early and i was sitting next to the sound guy and and, and at that time i was like jeff beck doesn't use any pedals and i'm like well jeff beck can use whatever he wants because he's jeff beck i don't give a shit if he's using pedals or right, you know right. if he's powered by steam it's going to be awesome <laughs> and uh, so he's up there playing and there's literally a guy on the side of the stage with the pedal board about waist level going you know <laughs> pressing him with his hands when he needs stuff so it's like I just thought well, that was funny. It's like, who cares if you're what Jeff's awesome foot cannot be soiled <laughs> by hitting a device at any given time? You know, and I embrace it. I'm like, okay, if you're uh, if you're Jeff Beck, your 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 foot shouldn't be tainted by such trotting right. activities. And, and you've taken like you don't play many pedals these days either, do you? You're mostly well, I, I actually, you know, during the Cove, I. Um, I started having a little fun with some of my screaming shit boxes on the floor. So then I, um, I started, uh, I started going stereo with my, um, my, uh, uh Leslie simulator, my Neo instruments ventilator, which uh-huh. sounds yep. awesome. That yeah. thing's awesome. Which, which I always used to use when I played my trio, but then when I was in a trio with an organ player, it's like, well, why do I need a Leslie? So that's why I didn't really use anything because my amp for one had everything on it. Uh, but I, I started to realize that, you know, when you're playing, you know, my, my son hits hard, which I embrace. And, mm-hmm. and Toby plays with a, a B3 and a bass amp. And that Leslie is screaming. And when that's coming to the side of the stage, me, it's like if I look, sometimes I look back at my amp going, is this all I got? You know? And uh, so I started using multiple amps. And that just made my world so much more rosy and glorious. Yeah. It, sounds, so, it sounds biblical. Like when, when I saw you a few weeks ago, you had, so that Red Marshall, you had that, you had the Greg. Yep. And then you had, was there a third amp or was it just those two? Just, just those two. I got yeah. the Greg up on my road case. So it's yep. right, like right behind me. And I'm only using the clean channel on that. Right. Which is, which is a, their cleans. It, it's, it's one of the main reasons why I love the amps. I mean, the overdrive is great as well. Uh, but the clean is great because however Dolph Koch likes to voice his amps, you can get a clean sound that it doesn't fart out on the low end and it's not spiky on the high end. Mm-hmm. And it just does this thing where it's, compresses just enough where you're you know you it, it you're you don't feel like you're buck naked when you're doing your clean stuff yeah right and then if i hit it above with my gristle king man it's just it sounds like the word of god if i may be so bold so then well what happened was we did a, a recording session at um at sweetwater we were doing a live at sweetwater session and i just brought my greg and i was going to use my pedal board and he's like, what do you think about having a couple of 12s in the, in the mix? I'm like, I'm down with that. So I ended up using a Friedman Dirty Shirley mm-hmm. through like one of those hand-wired Marshall 412s and uh, ran it clean and, you know, just on the brink of giving in and then used the clean boost on my Gristle King and then hitting it over the top with the overdrive. And I loved the sound that we got. So then I was kind of thinking, man, it would be nice to have – a couple of 12s in the mix with that with more of kind of an EL34 Marshall type of a sound and I thought well I don't want to you know I love dirty shirt I, I had a I had a small box 50 they're great amps but it's like am I going to spend three grand on a you know on a head and then it's another three grand on this hand wired bottom it's like nah 
Yeah. Because my favorite amps are free ones, but be yeah. that as it may. Uh, but I, I started, I went into, I saw these little SL or SV20 amps yep. uh, online. And so I went into a local store and I plugged into it. I was like, well, this might be perfect because the 20 watts, I mean, it's a loud 20 watts. Yeah. Like, yeah. I actually set it up clean. It's just, uh, it's, it's pretty clean just on the brink. And when I hit the clean boost on the over, on the, on the Gristle King, it starts to load up a little bit, but then when I hit the overdrive, it it's it just explodes. So I set them up about the same volume. So uh, it's just like a nice clean with just a little bit of hair, and then I take it from there. And then that way I started. You know, I like. And the thing is, I wasn't using any delay for a couple of years when I was playing with the trio with my with my Greg amp. Yep. And then I started messing around with the effects loop, and then the first gig after COVID where I brought, you know, the pedals that were going through the effects loop and, the, and I was like, ah, fuck all that. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not I'm not going to deal with this, you know, it's MacGyverville, right? So, but when I run them clean, then I could use the delays in front. So I I like using a um I got a Jam Pedals uh Delay Lama. Oh, I love I, those. I have it on a little bit of slapback. It's barely there, but I have it on all the time because it just warms everything up mm-hmm. and it just gives it that you know, I, I like to listen to a lot of old bootlegs, mm-hmm. and uh, you listen to old cream bootlegs, or, and it just sounds like they're just from the room with those marks. It sounds like there's just a, a hair of slapback, and that's what I—that's the sound I'm going for. So I leave that sound on, you know, 99% of the time, and then I have my old Boss DD3 that I've had since 1985 that I use for just a little bit of a longer trail, but it's barely audible because I—I don't like to be—I don't like to be too wet. But a little bit of moisture is always good. Well, those, those SV20s are crazy, man. They're they're so good. Um, our, our friend Kenny Greenberg uh, uses one on tour with Kenny Chesney, and and yeah. I went to the the show. Kenny had us out um, in Atlanta, and that was you know getting to see a literal football stadium show from side stage is, is a unique experience. But yeah. it was funny from where we were standing on stage right. You know, you could see Amp World, and it was, you know, a big road case that had like four or five slots where you could see Kenny's rig. At one time, he was running probably three or four different amps and a whole thing. And then just in the middle of this huge road case was just a single SV20 head sitting, and that was his whole guitar sound for the whole show. And it sounded phenomenal, man. They they are glorious. They're great if you crank them. They're great if you run them low. It's... And and then Wildwood had these red ones, and I was like, well, once I got yeah. the the conventional colored one, I was like, I think I want to get a red one because you know what's better than one, two. <laughs> one better. Well, we got a uh, we got a couple questions from some of our patrons. Yeah. And uh, one was, uh, is there any gear that you're impressed with this year? And I mean, seeing as you play, you know, you do all the fantastic stuff for for uh, for Wildwood, and you know, you work with fishman and everybody like is there anything that you've seen this year that really just kind of surprised you or uh well on my recent trips um well i should say on my recent trip because i've only been out there although they've been sending me guitars over the last year so yeah. uh things have been arriving um you know i i like those new american vintage two fenders sure. um you know, I play when I was like, I, I could use this. You know, I, I dug it. I, I, I grabbed one of the tellies. The tellies were a little heavy, mm-hmm. I thought. Uh, the ones that I experienced, they were all, you know, like eight and, you know, in that na- eight and above. But, you know, the, the 61 Strat, I think it is, but with the um, 
uh, Fiesta Red one. I played one and I, it was light. It sounded good. You know, it had the right quack in the in in the two and the four, which is always the thing. You know, and I thought, man, I could use this. I dig that. Um, I'm always I, I'm always enamored uh, by the uh, the Murphy Lester's. I, yeah. I just, oh, yeah. I you know I love them. It's just that I I just um, you know what's funny about how I am. It's like if a guitar is around three four thousand dollars, I might pull the pin. It gets above that. It's got to be something I'm going to use a uh-huh. lot. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And there's something that happens when you've when you've had you know years of experience playing this stuff. You've got the things you already like, and it, like like you said, like those guitars, the American Vintage, they impressed you, but they might not. It might not be something that you're truly after because you've probably filled that criteria. So I know that when people ask me those sort of questions, you know, what really blew you away? Like sometimes it's it's kind of hard to think of anything unless it's so outstanding or or, or different and weird that right. it, like you know almost everything's great now. So yeah. how do you how do you say like this one is just so above the rest? It, it's a really hard question to answer when you this is all you do. Right. You know? Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Perspective is important because I I got one of those sixty one strats as well from Fender when they did the release, and it's it's good, like it's really good. But like the three of us here, because our jobs are this, and we've played hundreds or thousands of strats uh, from different builders and different ages and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, it's good, it's good. But you know, I've played a handful of others that are are would smoke this, or my my Shabbat that I bought earlier this year is you know way better but it's also twice the price and so i think it's important to keep in mind when somebody asks us this kind of stuff it's like well yeah if you're in the market and this is your first strat or you've been playing for a few years and you're coming from like a squire and you're stepping up to the that's going to be such a massive upgrade and step up that uh you know i think it makes sense like yeah that's a that's a good guitar it's a really really good guitar it's is it perfect no is it the best strat we've ever played no but for the vast majority of players out there they're going to be moving into this kind of thing i think it is you know it, it is great and to your point about like the price point i'm i'm right there with you three to four grand it's like okay that's a lot of money but depending on what it is that's money well spent you go over four <laughs> it's like this thing's really gotta it's gotta move me i i have a thing where I need to step away for at least a day if I'm if I'm considering a guitar and if it's over that like three grand price. And if I'm still thinking about it, like over that twenty-four hour, forty-eight hour period, like I can't stop thinking about that guitar, it's probably something I should I should pull the trigger on. Yep. I, I don't know if you do this. I, I'll do a thing where like I'll go into a place and they'll have something. Or even if I'm at Wildwood back in the day I would do this, I'd be like if it's here next time I'm here, then it, uh-huh. then it was then it was meant to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, or, it's like, or I'll go. You know, I'm gonna I'm not gonna get it now, but I'll be back on Monday. And if it's here, I'll get it. And then yep. more often than not, it's long gone. But I, right. it's it's interesting. I was trying to I was talking with somebody about the other the other day about this thing. It's a weird thing of why I pull the trigger on stuff. I think it, with everybody, it's kind of you know it's different and so on and so forth. But. I'll go into a place and and I kind of like everything. I mean, I, 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 it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But yeah, 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 yeah. But for some reason, something will grab me and be like, oh no, I'm, I know I'm buying this like, yeah. right now, you know? And, and I can't say like when I bought that, when I bought this Strat, it's a, this is a, a 74 Strat. I mean, I've never, 
I mean, I remember back in the day, the 70 strats to me were dogs, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Had a, I had a buddy of mine who had a 73 strat, and it, it would never stay in tune. It was always, it was always just riddled with, uh, with problems. Um, and, you know, it's like always, you know, and then I was like, well, the late 60s ones might be cool and yada, yada, yada. But I always liked the bigger headstocks because Hendrix and Richie Blackmore mm-hmm. and Robin Trower, there was something about the bigger headstock strats that always, um, that always uh, uh, intrigued me. So I go into the store and I see this really nice sunburst strat with the big headstock. And I was like, what's the deal with this one? And I said, it was a single owner from down in Texas. It's a 74. And I reached up and I grabbed it and it was light as a feather. And I was like, what? Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Yeah. And I, brought, I was like, is this, has something been done with this thing? Is it, you know, like, no, no, no. It's just super light. And, and I plugged it in and it sounded great. And I learned how to play on a 68 Telecaster. So I liked that fret rate, fret size and radius. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. like, it immediately came back to me. It was like, Oh, this is that thing, right? Yeah. And then it still had the three-way toggle switch in it to me, which is I love. Because as much as, you know, two and four have that thing, you know, when you're used to playing tellies, it's like those sounds are wimpy in comparison. And it's, yeah. it's never – but just the, the three pickups on their own, they're awesome. And a lot of those the Hendrix tones, which to me were my all-time favorite Strat sounds, were just – obviously he had three – Yeah. He had three pick, uh, three-way toggle switch strats. Sometimes, of course, he would put it in the middle and, and get some things going. But yeah. uh, for the most part, a lot of the quacky stuff that he would do was on that middle pickup by itself. So I got, I just pulled the pin right then and there. I was like, I'm buying this. And I just, you know, off I, the door, I went with it. I agree. I think the two and four position on a strat is overrated. I mean, I get it. It people are into it, and it's a certain thing, right? It has that quack, and it's unique to a strat. But it's wimpy. It's weak. It doesn't. It doesn't cut it doesn't punch and like you said when you're used to playing tellies or used to playing les pauls or or anything else for me on on, if on my tier list of favorite guitars the strat is probably third or fourth in line behind things like les paul telly 335 all that kind of stuff and so you're right to me i think the best the best strat tone is a strat neck pickup period like that is the thing and then to me if it's a good strat with a good bridge pickup that's not too ice picky or too brittle, that's a really good sound. But people sleep on just the middle position. Um, yeah. Clapton came back, uh, I think it was late last year, we went and, and saw him. And he played the entire night, literally, on the middle pickup, the entire show. Did not touch the guitar, didn't change anything, just played the entire show on the middle pickup. And it was cool, you I'm know? Sure it was. It, yeah. it, it was a thing. Mayer does that a lot. Mayer will just sit on the on the middle position of, of the silver sky. And it's a, uh, it's a great sound. It's it's cause I, it's got some meat. Yes. I have a theory though, uh, to, to your point, Rhett and, and Greg, let me know what you think. I think part of the two and four thing that makes old guitars special is the fact that that middle pickup isn't reverse wound. It's not going to cancel right. the noise. And I think like the, cl- the, the recordings that we know and admire so much that we may not be able to get with a modern guitar. I think that's the secret. I really do. It mm. could be. So. I, I've, I've thought about that my own self. Ah, I, just, see. I just think it sounds, I don't know why, just to me it sounds cliche a little bit. The the two and four thing, it's never it's something It's definitely I've become, like, not played out, but become the the main sound that people associate with the Strat, I feel like most yeah. of the time is, is yeah, two and absolutely. four. absolutely. When really, well, I, it's the neck pickup. Like, that's the magic of the Strat. It's the Strat I, neck. I, I got to tell you, magic. 
I have a guilty pleasure. Not that it's that that guilty, but <clears throat> is that Robin Trower, especially is like uh, his later stuff. I actually prefer to his earlier stuff because he, it's it's almost like his soloing. It's not licks. It's just kind of like strat utterances. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's using and, and he only uses the neck position or the four position. That's all he uses these days. He doesn't use anything else from what I've gathered from recent interviews and articles and so on and so forth. And he uses little marshals and that neck pickup sound that he gets is just, it's intoxicating. It was kind of funny because back in the day, you know, everyone was like, yeah, he's just trying to do the Hendrix thing and he's ripping off the Hendrix thing. And so Mm -hmm. there was this kind of, there was this kind of, um, you know, shaming of Robin Trower back in the day. And then Stevie Ray Vaughan came out. It's like, see, he's a real blues guy, but that nods to Jimmy. Whereas this English guy who's, I mean, that was kind of the vibe amongst, you know, kind of the guitar snobs, at least that I knew. And I was like, yeah, but I, I like Bridges size. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like two Rolling Stones. That Jim's do James Dewar's got a great voice. Those are cool tunes. And then, um, it was kind of weird. He, you know, I did a couple shows with Robin Trower over the years. We never interacted because I, you know, when I when I do shows with people, it's like I am the anti sycophant. So if it's if there's like an opportunity to meet somebody that's mutually kind of respectful, I'm going to do it. But if it's like, okay, can I meet Robin? Not going to happen. I'm not okay. going to do it. Right. And so I've done a few shows with him, and I've I've you know I've enjoyed what I've heard. But when he did a record with Jack Bruce called Seven Moons, um, which was right after the Cream reunion, I believe. So this is like 2006 or so. And a buddy of mine in town gave me the record. He's like, yeah, I got this from the music store I work at, and I'm, I'm not going to listen to it, but if you want to. And I listened to it, and I dug the tunes, and I just dug his whole approach. Because, again, it wasn't, you know, the, the, the changes are kind of weird. They're, mm-hmm. you know, he, it, it's definitely not a straight-ahead blues thing by any stretch. But his playing, you know, he does these, again, they're like utterances. And they're bluesy, psychedelic-ish utterances. But they're not like cliche licks as far as, you know, most people understand them to be anyway. and But his tone is just so damn good. So he's got a latest record out. I was listening to that. It's like, these are cool tunes. The, the progressions are cool, you know. And his tone on that neck pick of the Strat Sounds glorious. And again, that makes me even want to pick up that 74 strat more because he uses a big headstock strat and yeah, just is what it is. And then, of course, I like I, I, I like to watch uh, I've been going through a deep purple renaissance yeah. as well because I'm, I'm reading uh, Ian Gillen's autobiography, which is mm. a story of wretched excess. Bless him. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, I think we probably need to kind of wrap this up but what what's coming for you in 2023 what's 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 happening uh well we are uh i'm looking forward to i'm doing some of these almond family revival dates coming up here in december i'm I'm very much looking forward to doing that and being a part of that i'm a you know huge you know the legacy of the almond brothers obviously is something that is very very near and dear to my heart and what's going to be fun is is that uh i'm doing you know like what tunes do you want to do and i was like well i i kind of know most of them you know i've either played them or you know well if you, you had to pick one song that you would want to play more than anything else what would it be i said in memory of elizabeth reed i've been yeah. like i almost i almost just uttered it out before i could even think about it he's like done you can do that one he goes how'd you like to play dreams i'm like yes please <laughs> and uh so 
I'm looking forward to playing those tunes and uh, No One Left to Run With Anymore. That's a great tune. I always wanted to sit in with the Allman Brothers. That's one thing I always wanted to do. I just wanted to be amidst that thunder and get the look of take it, and when you're done, go, you know what I mean? Because I'd played those songs so many times, and, you know, it's just I played along with those records as a kid. Anyway, so I'm looking forward to doing that. So I'm going to do a few of those dates, and hopefully that's going to lead to more of that. And then uh, the agent's booking a bunch of stuff for us. We're doing uh, the Joe Bonamassa cruise uh, in March, and we're kind of routing down there to do that. And uh, Little Feet's on that one, and we're we're talking with the guys from Little Feet about doing some touring with them at some point next year. Uh, but we're pretty well booked up through May. We're going to Europe again in, in April. And I got this double record that I'm sitting on that I'm figuring out what to do with, and so I'm going to get that out and, and then uh, just keep on keeping on. But it's been fun just going out and playing with the band because, you know, I bet. it's like people, you know, like people come out, and it's our first time going to a lot of these different areas, so... We just we just want to come, and the people are like, oh my god, you know, I've seen you online over the years, but this is like completely different seeing you live. I'm like, well, this is what it's always been about. It's always yeah. been about this, you yeah. know. And uh, so it's we're just going to keep on doing more of it, and just kind of you know, because you just realize that you got to get in front of people and make that visceral connection of being in front of them in person. Yep. And and pay the dues. And so far, yep. we've been lucky because uh, we're making money doing it because it's. It's hard. You know, you show up one night, it's packed. You show up the next night, there's 20 people there. Yep. But 20 people might show up, but I might sell, you know, eight Gristle Kings. You know what I mean? Right. Like, okay. You know what I mean? And, and away you go. So it's, 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 it's been great. And uh, it's just very, very satisfying, obviously, being on the road with my kid. And, yeah. uh, and then Toby's such a great organ player and so easy to travel with. And, and the music is just, you know, it's, all my, it's my own library from over the years of, of which, you know, it's fun because I've put out 17, 18, 19 records at this point, and most of which no one has heard. You know what I mean? So I can go out and play. What's that song? Oh, that's from back when I had hair. <laughs> and it's called Back When I Had Hair. Exactly. Uh, no, I got to say, having seen you guys a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, the, the trio is an absolute just powerhouse. I mean, yeah. you guys are a force to be reckoned with on stage. Oh, it sounds amazing. Uh, the rhythm section is ridiculous i mean if if uh cock marshall trio is coming to a city anywhere near you you really really should go it's a an absolute blast the almond uh brothers thing that's with um uh johnny stichella is that how you say his last name he's playing with uh, them, right? he's not gonna unfortunately he's not gonna be on the dates that i'm doing with him um because i he's a great guy I've, I've hung out with him a little bit he was in Summerfest one time and we hung out a little he's a great guitar player really nice guy uh, but yes, he's usually on those gigs. On the ones that I'm doing, uh, it's uh, Luther Dickinson's playing guitar oh, as well. Nice. J- JD Simo, oh, uh, cool. myself, Larry McRae. So that's is, are any of, of your dates coming near Atlanta or Georgia or Macon at all? Because I got to see. I got to see. Un- unfortunately, not. I'm doing. I'm doing uh, Nashville on oh, okay de- December 9th at the Ryman. How oh, awful, how awesome ooh. is that going to be? Dude. My wife's my wife's even going to come to that one. That's you get Sarah out of the house to see a gig of mine. It's it's got to be a magical thing. Oh man! And then uh, we're playing up in uh, St. Louis, and then we're playing out in Denver at the Paramount Theater. Those oh, are the three dates. December ninth. God damn it! Uh, well, I I got to see that because, like you, I am a massive massive Allman Brothers fan. Those those records were what I started to learn how to play along with too. And and um, yeah, that's. 
uh, being able to play on stage with them is also a dream of mine. So I'm going to have to try and live vicariously through you on that. That is, uh, that is quite the honor and, and privilege, but, um, yeah, man, Greg, you are, you are one cool guy. <laughs> Thanks for coming ah! on and, and you got a lot of cool shit going on. Um, I'm excited to see what you what's going to happen in the yeah. In the where year. can people learn more about your stuff, Greg? Well, certainly uh, gregcock.com is where all the stuff is located. But you know, Greg Cock Music on Instagram, I stay pretty busy on there, and um, Greg Cock Music on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter at Mansquatch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. I've, you know, I've, I've toyed around a little bit with the uh, the TikTok thing. I, I put stuff up there every now and again but most of the time i get on there and i just find myself watching dua lipa videos one after another and i've yeah. i've kind of become obsessed and i'd like to think in not a creepy way well no honestly her that last record she did is pretty it's great it's right she's awesome, it's she's awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah okay i don't want to hear all these curmudgeon guitar players in the comments like oh it sucks it's because of pop music no go listen to that record it's pretty amazing no, she's, it's pretty. It's their their the grooves are cool. She's she's cute as a button. She's cool. Yeah, I mean she, her moves and stuff. She's cool. It's great. I'm, I'm for it. I'm you know I'm gonna get a t-shirt. I'm thinking about wearing one on those almond shows. It's just going. I mean that's a power move right there, man. Man, right? yeah. Dua forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh right. well, awesome. All right. thanks, man. Thank you. Thank Greg. you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. See you later, alligators. So there you go. Greg Cock. What a legend that guy is. What a what a riot of a human being. <laughs> Honestly, if if you ever have the chance to see him play live, you need to go do it in any capacity, whether it's Cock Marshall Trio or he's he's playing with somebody or it's at NAM or whatever, you need to go see him perform live because um, I made a video about him not too long ago about how he is like, you can't you can't sound like Greg Cock on guitar. He's so versatile. He's so good at everything. He's arguably is there a more versatile guitar player alive today working and playing? A guy that can can cover so much ground on the guitar so well. I don't know. I, I pause. No, I mean, in that capacity, <clears throat> I don't I don't think so. Cause just because he. He doesn't seem to have any barriers to what he can do. No. Like in any genre, any vibe, any like he 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 just seamlessly can flow even in one song <laughs> between all these things. Uh, -huh. uh you know, it could be some serious jazz or just uh Albert Collins just ice picking you right in your brain like he can yep. do all that stuff. Yep, he can chicken pick, he can play real country, he can play real jazz. Like he's a real jazz player. Yeah which yeah yeah i love the guy when i went to wildwood and did the videos with him you know the whole idea was like you're gonna play together i was wrecked because <laughs> i was so nervous and like we ended up having a lot of fun and, and unfortunately some of the best bits of our playing where i got more comfortable and like stretched out and uh and ha and and felt more at ease playing with him um got cut because it just got too long but uh -huh. but yeah man the sitting down with him to play guitar with him is like oh, okay yeah oh, okay i haven't done it yet and and i'm i'm a little scared i'll be honest with you i'm a little intimidated you do fine yeah but sure but that doesn't make it less <laughs> scary no you know? you're right you're right so but scary in a good way 
Once again, thanks to Sweetwater for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, Dipped in Tone, sorry, sweetwater.com slash Dipped in Tone. That's going to take you to the guitar gallery. Um, I really can't overstate how impressive their and thorough their inspection process is at the guitar gallery. I think their whole thing with starting the guitar gallery was to finally make buying a guitar online a viable and somewhat easy and safe thing to do because for the longest time i was always of the mindset that a a guitar an electric guitar an acoustic guitar you need to play it you need to get your hands on it first before you buy it but sweetwater makes that process viable and easy yeah 100 percent. and and one thing that i'd like to add and this is something that when we did the 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 warehouse tour they they said to us and it kind of it it clicked for me um they move so much gear that if you're looking for something and it's not there just hang on because it's probably coming and will be there soon so if you Mm -hmm. have your eye on you know you want a certain strat or you know a les paul or whatever um just um save that link and and visit it and um just keep your eyes on on the guitar gallery and chances are it's going to show up sooner rather than later just have to you have to stay on it yeah Yep. So once again, sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone. Thanks for sponsoring today's episode. All right. Yep. On to our first shill of 2023. What do you got? Yeah, I got a good one. I got a new pedal from my good friend, Mr. Jesse Davey. Oh, guess. Yeah. The King Tone Fuzz. So this is the new one that has the little dip switches on the side there. And, uh, so I think, is this the mini fuzz? Is that the name of it? It just says fuzz on it. Um, but it has uh, a switch for silicon or germanium and yep. then fat zonk in vintage mode. And then on the side, you can do all sorts of different tone shaping. The coolest thing about this, this pedal, uh, or one of the coolest things is it has a little indicator that says set, and then you can adjust the bias. And when that little red led is lit, the bias for either the silicon or the germanium uh, transistors uh, is where the optimal range is. Oh. So dep- if like it's hot or cold or something, you know, the, the weather has shifted or the, it doesn't sound right, you can just dial it in and get it to where where Jesse, you know, says the bias should be. And then right. you, know, you can adjust to taste. But um, just a fuzz face on steroids that really does a lot of stuff. Really, That's pretty badass, actually. Really awesome. It's incredible. All his stuff is good. His new enclosures are yeah. like milled and it's heavy. And I mean, you could, you could really hurt somebody with this, which I, <laughs> anything yeah. is a weapon and or a hammer. And I appreciate that. That's so, the good, yeah. the best thing about the Klon is it's, you know, it's not oh the way gosh. it sounds. It's like, there's so can... many sharp points on that. Thing. <laughs> yeah. This is, it's dangerous, man. Yeah. Nice. Um, cool. I like that. Mine is also a pedal. Mm-hmm. And this is a a local Atlanta company, the Acorn Solid State. So yep. I have to shout out shout out uh, Tyler and the guys down at Acorn. A few weeks ago, they absolutely saved my ass uh, when I was filming with a vintage Marshall uh, that I was borrowing from a friend, Ford Fry, here in Atlanta. It was a 67 Black Flag JTM 100. And of course, as soon as I took uh, ownership of it, not ownership, possession of it for my video it shat the bed and boy (laughs) i was not happy because not my amp it's very expensive very rare and i felt responsible ford was super cool about it but anyway long story short ended up going down to acorn and we found the issue we fixed it got the amp back up and running for the video it was all great and then 
um, I was like, hey, while, while I'm down here, I've been meaning to, to get my hands on one of those solid states. So I bought this um, at a discount at an artist price, but I bought this from him. And this is one of my new favorite pieces of gear. So if you haven't seen this, basically this is a PV, uh, I forget which amp it is. It's the it's the one that um, Josh Homme is known for using from, from me, Queens of the Stone Age. Let me see. But it's basically it's a 10 watt solid state guitar amp in a box. And so you got your normal, you know, quarter inch in and out. So you can use it as a, a pedal, but it also has a speaker out. So you can actually drive a speaker cabinet from your pedal board. Now, this is fun. And I was messing around with this the other night with a wet dry setup here. I had the, uh, the output going in through a reverb and from the reverb going into my Skylark, my Gibson Skylark. And then I just took the speaker out and ran it into the speaker of my Tweed Deluxe, the 112 of the Tweed Deluxe. And, it's the decade. Ah, uh, okay. The PV yeah. decade. PV decade. Dude, it's it was awesome. I had this wet dry thing going on it, it, and I was creating like false stereo Leslie effects and stuff. Um, so I've got a tour coming up in February. We're going to Europe and uh, I'm going to be probably taking this on my board because we haven't figured out an amp situation yet. So I might use this to just drive a speaker cab on stage. Um, yeah, it's badass and though. I, I want to play it because like it's so funny growing up, uh, PV was was everywhere. I mean, like for both of us, I'm sure like your first amp typically was a PV. And I know we've like joked about, you know, if PV made, um, <laughs> we've done that for ages, but like, it's true. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, PV was everywhere, but all PV stuff, especially those things like the silver panel yep. cabinets were so cheap, like forever. And now everyone's like, Oh, remember the rage? Remember the backstage and now the yep. decade. And it's like, wait, what? There's one in reverb for a thousand dollars. Oh Does my it? God. Yeah. Because of that ah. Queens of the stone age thing. Yeah, the, dude, there's a thing with the PV stuff that was like, you know, in the South, if you were gigging out or you were in a rural area or, you know, playing these bars and these honky tonks, it was like, yeah, you're playing through a PV PA yep. and there's a, there's a PV solid state keyboard amp and there's a PV bass amp. And then you're yep. playing through a PV guitar amp because it was accessible. It was reliable. And did it sound the best? No, but did it sound good enough? Yeah. And it and got you through the gig. And and uh, no one ever moved it because it was too heavy to, <laughs> to yeah, pick up. Yeah. yeah, I feel like every PV I've ever seen has been like caked in like dust and cigarette smoke, and so it's all like gray and. Yeah. They left the factory that way back yeah. then. I think. <laughs> Smelling like cigarettes and covered in dust. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Anyway, that's uh yeah the the Acorn solid state. It's a badass piece of gear, and and Tyler and the guys down at Acorn are so much fun, dude. They're they're a great follow on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're awesome so uh sweet yeah there you go fun, fun, all fun. right everyone that's going to do it for this week's episode if you haven't done so already please subscribe on youtube or wherever you are listening to the podcast wherever fine podcasts are downloaded and right. uh yeah happy new year and thanks to all our our patrons on patreon right. for supporting the show if you want to join um and get access to our discord and all the things that we do uh check out our our patreon link below Yep. Lots of new episodes coming up this year. Really excited. Yep. And uh, we're already making plans for, for NAM and all kinds of stuff like that. So we'll, yeah. uh, anyway, see y'all real soon. Bye.